Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Why This Film, the podcast where we re-watch a movie from your childhood and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade and welcome back. Watched it so many times before and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it and now you show it to your friends and they're like, what? What am I watching? Why? What? Why? Why Why this film? And I'm joined today by Lauren Farraker. Have I said that correctly? Yes, you did. Yes. Amazing. Hello and welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I am (laughs) so excited. We, me too, because the movie that Lauren has chosen is Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, 1993. The IMDb breakdown is three pets escape from a California ranch to find their owners in San Francisco. That's a fairly decent breakdown as IMDb goes. Yeah, I Pretty think, much I think sums it's it up. kind of accurate. So what's your relationship with this movie? So it's very funny. Um, I have a personal relationship with this film from an interesting vantage point. And then I saw this as, uh, I guess I was 10 years old when I saw this. And so (laughs) it was very, during a formidable time, um, I was raised only with cats. So I think I kind (gasps) of went through the lens of just sassy but completely Uh aspirationally was like dogs are the most incredible beings in the world (laughs) and so uh yeah and the interesting like personal connection for me with this film is uh the part with the little girl that gets lost in the woods was actually filmed in Oregon I believe and my sister was I guess the runner up to be cast as that girl no way yeah oh that's so cool that's <laughs> yeah. really really cool yeah so it's like, like a weird fact? like secondary kind of yeah didn't happen but could have connection with this film yeah like happened in your head definitely yeah I would pretty totally much or it's something I've just projected and I've just gone yeah. with over way too long that's so cool yeah that's literally the coolest thing yeah amazing Um, I did see this movie when I was a kid, like it, it would have been on one Sunday or something and it would have just been stuck on. Like I, when people say to me homeward bound, I know what they're talking about. And I'm like, oh yeah, the animals that make their way across America to get back to their owners. No idea. Couldn't remember why. Couldn't remember who was in it. Couldn't remember what it was about. Um, I wonder if you found it, like, have you watched it? recently since being a child or have you not watched it since being a child no I had the pleasure and delight of re-watching this uh film to prepare and talk about it again Uh and uh that was just an absolute joy um so I would say that comparing it from the childhood version to the adult version was Mm -hmm. just incredible because you just pick up on so many different things. Um, right? Yeah, as like, as an adult than you would as a child because I just remember Shadow kind of bugged me because I was like, stop yes. being such an old timer. <laughs> yeah. But as an adult, you're just like, this is the greatest dog ever. Um, my first note is like, if I, I will die for Shadow. I will die for Shadow. Like, 
because I was thinking, I was like, this movie has got to be more impactful when you're an adult than when you're a child. Because when I was a child, I probably watched it and was like, oh no, the animal's in peril, but like, it's fine. Now that I'm, out, I'm older, I have a better understanding of pets and losing pets, yep. of death itself. Um, I mean, I was inconsolable at the end of this movie. It's like an hour oh. and 24 minutes, yep. and the last five minutes, I cried interesting the other day i was so upset and like it's a happy ending yeah but i was still just weak like sobbing sobbing at this movie basically anytime shadow did anything so shadow is the older dog and he's his owner is pete who is the older child who weirdly seems to be the protagonist child even though the protagonist dog it belongs to a different child. Yep. And um, Shadow is voiced by... Oh, goodness. Don Amici. He's like a... That's the one. He's like an older actor. Yeah, he um, was like the guy in Cocoon that was like... Um, he's just like a super lovable old guy. Like... Yeah. Yeah. His voice is perfect. Super perfect. Um, and then you've got Chance, who is the... Is he a, a pit bull bulldog? Um, he is apparently an American bulldog. Um, I looked at him and saw a pit, but apparently mm. he was labeled um, an American bulldog. So let's go with okay. that. And the minute, like, he obviously opens the movie, a very clever little opening where they're like, oh, what am I? Am I human? Am I a dog? And then it's the reveal that he's a dog. Um, and it's Michael J. Fox. Yeah. And I was like, that is Michael J. Fox. I had no idea. And he is fabulous he does such a wonderful job and then of course the wonderful sally field is sassy the cat who is possibly the most beautiful cat in the entire world super pretty Um, himalayan cat yes so pretty um yeah tell me about what like how it's changed did did you cry did you find it more impactful now that you're grown up so let me give you the sidebar I have my first dog I'm so basically I was raised in a family where cats were kind of the only acceptable animal I think (laughs) my dog my dad might have been scared of dogs I don't know and he's no longer with us that I can kind of press the question. But right. my theory is that there was something that happened and he just perceived dogs as a lesser creature than cats, oh. which made it like as a child, you're listening to Sally Field, who that was the funny <laughs> shocker for me, realizing that that was Sally Field, because it yeah. makes Sassy so much greater because you're just like, yeah dogs drool and cats rule like you just <laughs> yeah. you're just you're in you're like I understand this so much more as an adult and it kind of flies over your head as a kid but I would say that you know from the adult to child perspective like you know I remember as a kid the almost cadence and rhythm of shadow being so old mm-hmm. bugged me like I was just yeah. like come on like there's a puppy in there let's let's channel that and like you can't just be so obsessed with your kid like and but I didn't understand the dog relationship it was just not something that I understood I now Mm -hmm. with my uh border collie lab who is 13 and a half I had my sobbing like thing 
right at the beginning. I was like, yeah. oh my God, it's an old dog. Like, yeah. So. Yeah, I really feel you. I mean, I've always grown up with dogs. And even then as a kid, I don't think I really understood. Um, like at seven minutes into the movie, Shadow, the old dog, says, you're my favorite boy in the world. And I started crying. Um, it just... Oh, he's just so majestic and like Chance the Puppy really does learn from him and like it it makes sense as well. It's so clever how Chance has sort of been in the pound and he's been on the street so he just doesn't trust humans and Shadow is so loyal and surprisingly it was Shadow's idea to escape the ranch and go back to Peter and the family which I didn't see coming. I would have, I was assuming it was going to be Michael J. Fox that was like, let's go on an adventure. But instead, Shadow was like, I have to get back to my boy. And I was like, oh, Shadow, you absolute babe. Please don't die on this journey. Like, I'm 90% sure you're not going to because it's a Disney film for children. But, like, I can't be sure these days. Yeah, that's true. Um, That's true. I was genuinely so worried for him, like, the whole time. I also think that a big part of um so I not to self promote at all but I run a podcast no, about dogs and a big part of what I talk about is rescue. And so I thought that the character of Chance was so great because his mm. entire story is as the rescue dog and the transformation yeah. of a rescue dog in terms of fitting into a home, finding its place, and kind of getting rid of all of those bugaboos that come with, it's the transformation of a rescue dog. And so I think that, you know, as a kid, you're just, you don't understand pounds, euthanasia, like I, that flew over my head. And so you're just watching that as an adult and it's so, it adds a level so much deeper, I think. No, definitely. I completely agree. Like, I really, really feel I got so much more out of this movie just by understanding what, even in their sort of strange understanding of the world around them, you understood what they were referring to. And you were like, oh my God, like, like he just accepts it. He's just like, oh, well, they've left us. They've just left us. And that's how it is. You should probably just forget about your owner. And like, that's really sad. And then Shadow's there like, no, like, I'm not going to forget about my owner. He's my entire life. Like, who's, oh, who's going to look after him? Who's going to sit at the end of his bed? Who's going to watch him? Completely, completely. Did you pick up that the first scene was on the railroad tracks? And then the last kind of scene before they're back at the family was on the railroad tracks? No, I didn't. Yeah, so oh, unless cool. I'm just projecting that, because I, I did, that just came to me, because I was like, oh my gosh, it's a full circle moment for Chance, because yeah. it's where he started to where he finishes, and he like needs Shadow to come with him to almost complete the journey in a weird way. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. That's such a good spot. Well done. Thank you. That's Thank amazing. You. <laughs> good on you. Symbolism. Um, oh my goodness, when Shadow falls into that pit at the end, yeah. this, this podcast is mainly going to be me going, I heart Shadow, like, <laughs> he's just the cutest dog. Um, genuinely, um, engaged with the peril, like, they do such a good job of, because I, I don't know how I feel about the use of animals in movies, I don't really know enough about it, we always briefly touch upon it in these podcasts, because um, a lot of our movies from the 80s and the 90s did 
use live animals and yep. obviously it was the time of the sort of tetley chimpanzees and all of that jazz and obviously the new Doctor Doolittle movie is coming out now with I think it's like entirely CGI animals yep um, which is really good and so how, how do you feel about the use of like live animals in movies so I would say that I have to tell myself because there was I, I would also say that the entire time I was watching this film a childhood kind of thing came over me that I was just like, I don't know how they shot this, but it looks so real, like with the cougar and everything. But I was like, rationally, you're like, they would never put a grizzly bear (laughs) near a dog. (laughs) And so there was a lot of Hollywood magic, I would say, with this. I actually, like, with IMDb, read a lot about how they did a lot of the scenes and how they like spliced it and all of that and it was so fascinating I think the one that was like the scariest to watch was like sassy in the river and so they had trained a cat to apparently at in a like a very slow stream walk across um different rocks and then the whole like falling in that was a fake cat or a mechanical cat and all of that and so I would just say that you know there was that recent movie I think it was a dog's purpose where like a dog was kept under the water for too long it was fine but people felt like it was animal cruelty if memory serves and so yeah I just think that there's such a fine line, but I also think that the work that these trainers do is incredible Mm. to like think about what that cat did. Like I have two cats and I can't get them to do anything. And so thinking (laughs) about what Sassy was able to do in some of those tricks, like do you remember how like Sassy reunites with the dogs and she like snuggles with them? So how they did that is apparently they put cat treats on like the side of the collar so that it was like desirable. And so that's why the cat who was a girl nuzzled each of the dogs. Oh, that's so cool. Because I don't even think about it because when I'm watching it, I really do get sucked in where I'm just like, yep, they're best friends and they're hugging because they've been reunited. Like, I don't even think of the logistics behind it. I'm just literally like... It's such a magical film and the the three voice actors and the animals themselves do such a good job of creating character that I'm just like, yeah, that's sassy being reunited. Yep. Like, but that's fascinating. That's so cool. And God, I was really, I think that's the only time I was like, I hope that cat's okay when she falls into the river and you see her like drowning. And you're oh, like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I forgot that it happened. My notes are like, sassy, no. Seriously, sassy better be alive. Sassy, oh baby. Well, and how they did the shot of actual dog or actual cats in water that appears rushing, like they give yeah. you all of the feels because it just that cat looks scared. But apparently, one of the cats, because there was several that they used Siamese, Balinese, etc., that uh, oh. one of them really liked to swim. And so, oh. yeah, but I thought that the effect was great I think this is funny that I'm going to say this but I also think that there is such a talent to those trainers and 
the actual like animal the presence that the animal brings that I think that if done responsibly it adds quite a bit that I just marveled at so mm-hmm. with live action and I think you don't get the same amount of that with CGI I just you don't feel yeah. the closeness the animal intensity like looking into their eyes it's just different yeah right? the connection's not there because it's all false yeah that's such a good point yeah and such I would yeah I would say that um what this reminded me of is there was a story that I had written uh, about a dog that was on death row and it was really, really bright, but because of that, it was like not challenged and it was in a shelter. And so it was completely, I guess, uh, kind of ornery and just wouldn't obey anyone, but it was such a smart dog. And so it was a white dog that looked a lot like Chance. And so it just made me think of that story because I was like, just, and he got adopted um, and is now in a lot of movies and commercials. And because it was such a smart dog, it just needed a challenge. And so it found its calling with that. And so I think when it's done responsibly, when it's not a situation where a dog is held underwater for a scene Mm -hmm. and I think it enhances when it's all done on the up and up and no dog is harmed etc etc yeah 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 no definitely like brilliant brilliant points yeah because I think it's very easy for me to sit here and just be like, oh, I think it's bad that they use animals, but I also really enjoy it when they use animals. But that was in, that was brilliant. That was perfectly articulate. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that one thing I also really liked about this is, do you remember like Airbud and all of those, like where they would make the dog's uh, mouth talk or yes, they would they, add that yeah. effect? I guess that Homeward Bound was one of the last ones where it was like, narration like you're not taking it a step further and making Mm. these animals almost human-like in that way and so you're just telling their story and then the trainers used the eye line to make it feel like the animals were connecting with the camera oh oh that's really cool yeah yeah it did um in the opening scene where sassy comes in and chance is there and they're talking and their mouths aren't moving and I caught a bit of Babe Pig in the City on, on the TV over Christmas, and that's that's a massive film where they make all the mouths moves and stuff. And it did it did take me out of it for a second. I was like, oh, here comes my own doggy. Um, it did take me out of it for a second where I was like, oh, they're like, mouths aren't moving. That's weird. Um, but only for like a second. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, cool. Like, this is the vibe of the movie. This is what I'm on board with. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. It's such a different feel as opposed to, I think, where it's gone with the computer generated and all of that. And I think that there's also a sidebar conversation that I was hoping to have with how dated the technology was, like when he was making the sign. Did you pick up on that? I <laughs> when the dad oh, was Oh yeah, where he was using like a what looked like a fax machine. Like it was like a dot like a really early computer printer with the dots. <laughs> like it was MS DOS like version one. And you just using I the, looked at the it and I was like, with the, like <laughs> Yeah, it really because this movie is 
kind of timeless and kind of charming set in its own universe like could be any time really because we're just focusing on the wilderness which hasn't changed as far as I'm aware and like pets which is brilliant um but you're right then suddenly we're like yeeted back like firmly into the early 90s and I'm like oh boy that's like that old-fashioned paper with the holes down the side of it slowly being like ink yep. ink ink um yeah <laughs> That was a funny little subplot, how, like, the dad had to be accepted into the family, the sort of stepdad was being accepted into the family via the animals, because at the beginning of the movie, I thought perhaps he was going to be our antagonist, yeah. and sort of find a way to make sure the animals didn't come home, um, oh. because it's Disney, and I was like, ah, a step-parent who's, like, male, evil, must be evil, um, but no, he, like he sort of uses the animal's loss to almost affirm his place within the household and become a dad to the children. It's it's very much the subplot of the movie, but it's just it just goes back to how the old movies used to be so well-written and well-formed and there were themes running throughout regardless. There's no sort of wasted airtime in this movie, no, I would exactly. say. Yeah, I, I would completely... And I think that, like, where there are some indulgences, like in the animal shelter when the family's coming and like sassy is leading that uh big guy around (laughs) it was just fun like it was just it it was was for the sake of i could picture like if there was a theater just children would be laughing their asses Mm -hmm. off at that oh 100 percent. yeah classic like scooby-doo through the corridors like benny hill music essentially um did you read about how this was another thing that i did think about when i was watching it at one point chance gets uh spiked by uh like a porcupine and he gets like five huge spikes in his cheek and i think i did right at the time i was like please tell me they didn't stick stick pins in that dog for real because it genuinely looks like that poor dog has like pins in its face i assume that's not what happened but like do you know how they did it I'm. I read somewhere. I would have to pull up IMDb, but I think they made it very clear that there was no pins in that. Nice. I know that no puppy was hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was something about how they. Oh, this is really good. Oh, here we go. When Chance gets curious about a porcupine and goes towards it, but the porcupine flicks his tail into Chance's muzzle and injures him badly. Porcupine needles stick out of Chance's face and Sassy tries to remove them. The porcupine scene was shot in cuts with a real porcupine and a fake dog. They allowed the porcupine to hit the fake dog to show contact. Then rubber porcupine needles were attached to the side of Chance's face with spirit gum, which is a substance that actors use to apply beards and moustaches to their faces to give the impression that Sassy is trying to pull out the needles. Cat food was placed on the dog's face and the cat went for the cat food. Oh, that's... Oh, good. That's made me feel much better. Because it it looks so good. Yeah. It looks so... I mean, not good, because there's pins sticking out of this poor dog's face. But, like, it looks genuine. Um, That's so wonderful that they really took the time to be like, right, we want this, like, all this peril to happen. They're chased by a cougar. They're they're chased by a bear. They're um, 
they're porcupine needles isn't stuck in their face they're like chased by humans chase each other but none of it actually happened and it's all just movie magic and someone took the time to sit down and be like right how are we gonna do this and make sure it's all okay for the animals oh that's that's brilliant that's so much fun <laughs> it's, it, it was absolutely incredible and I hate to sound like Dwight um from the office but did you pick up on the fact that it was two black bear cubs but the mom was a grizzly bear. Did you no, catch that? No, I didn't. It's just like, yes, they are related. Those are bears. <laughs> Those are definitely some bears. But now I think of it, like I can totally see, yeah, they were black and she was brown. Yep. Um, amazing. <laughs> they, did, they clearly didn't care. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was funny. There was an entire section on IMDb with this with, I, I don't know who has the time to do this because I did notice that when I was watching, but that was just, I grew up in the sticks. So like, I know the difference between the two, but I would say right. like a bunch of like, tr- I, I don't know if I would want to call them like trolls, but people like mm-hmm. pointed out the inconsistencies of like how this was shot. And I was like, you're losing like the magic of this because if the garbage can was up in one shot and not up in another shot, like it's fine. Everyone's going to live. (laughs) Yeah. Literally like they always do that. They're always like just lack of continuity moments. And you're like, who cares? Like it's a very difficult job looking at continuity. Yeah. I'll forgive them. It's fine. Totally. Completely. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when you're with animals and children, which are the two things you're never meant to work with. And this movie has all of them. Yeah, completely. It was I, I was just like, I was reading that in preparation for this. And I was just like, okay, you're you're losing what is so special about this in the fact that those are animal actors. Those are all, like, everything of this is getting spliced together to tell this absolutely incredible story of these mm-hmm. animals conquering an incredible feat. Yeah, yeah I mean... It, it is, is bizarre, bizarre that they survive this. Like, <laughs> completely. Completely. By all rights, they should all be dead. <laughs> like, it's insane. Yeah. Um, but it's Disney, but so, so they wouldn't die. <laughs> no. And I'm really glad they don't, because I think I don't think I would have been able to handle it. I was struggling enough with the happy ending. Like, <laughs> um, they're... The use of timing in this movie, like they nearly get hit by a train at one point, and you, I really believe it. I really, I'm just so engaged with like these characters and the peril that they're in, um, and it moves along very swiftly, and it's really fun and it's funny in moments, and and it was funny as an adult as well. As you say, they never sort of self-indulge in moments for too long that would be particularly childish. Like it really is a family feature in that sense. Yeah, completely. It's. I would say that outside of the completely outdated technology, like the <laughs> the film still stands and would be very entertaining. And I think that that's probably just because at the core of it, it is the relationship between humans and their animals and how mm. sacred that bond is. Definitely. I'm surprised they haven't tried to remake it. But I, I just think that if they tried to remake this, it would lose the character that they have. And, like, I think that the voice acting, like, 
Michael J. Fox, it still stands. Like, it's still entertaining. It doesn't feel dated. Like, even some of the references, like, when he sticks his head out with Bat Dog, like, that could be kind of dated. And apparently there was a little bit of a pun with that because Michael J. Fox was almost Robin when the (laughs) Batman movie was getting, uh, I don't know if it was the Michael Keaton or which version but he he would have been a perfect robin like let's be honest yeah although it meant it would have meant that he would have had to have been in batman forever and batman and robin which i think is probably best for him to have not been in yeah um (laughs) but he would have been he would have been perfect he would have been great so i just think that like there's some movies that you shouldn't remake and i i would definitely strongly advocate that I don't think that you could, there's something to the soul of how they did this in the 90s, -hmm. probably early 90s, that the film quality still kind of stands when you watch it. Like, yeah, I don't think you have to go near it. Like, let's leave it alone. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good point. I don't think they'd be able to recapture the magic. It was very much a, a thing of its time. And as you say, it completely still holds up. The performances are genuinely, genuinely brilliant. Like, they really are. Um, Voice actors do not get enough credit a lot of the time. Um, And these guys do a really excellent job of creating these characters. And then the little animal actors do such a wonderful job of making us fall in love with them. (laughs) Yeah, completely. I I just think that there was... And I, I also think that most movies when you see the animal actors it's a lot of solo performances where I think that what is so absolutely incredible to what they've done there is it's a trio like there's no real hero between any of the dogs they the animal actors they all are so talented in and of themselves and you just you get so invested in that story and I think like 100% there was this scene and I I wrote this and my husband was like, I kept making him rewind because I think it was kind of the soul of the movie scene when they were like by the, I think by the river, they were kind of morning sassy and uh, Shadow is talking to Chance. Do you remember this part when he's like, mm-hmm. it's... Um, we didn't have to, but it's built in. Like when Chance is like, well, I didn't want this job of all of this responsibility as being a dog yeah. and owning all of that. And I just like the entire thing was so beautiful and so well-written that yes. <laughs> I had to, I had to write it down so I can go through this because it was just so beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Let's indulge. So uh, we didn't have to, it's built in has been since the dawn of time when a few wild dogs took it upon themselves to watch over man, to bark when he's in danger, to run and play when he's happy, and to nuzzle him when he's lonely. That's why they call us man's best friend. Like, I'm choking up reading that. Like, it was just so beautiful. It is, and he he has another one later on down by the river where he's just like... Um, we've always known how to do this. Um, and at that point, that's when Chance turns around and is like, in that moment, 
I suddenly saw him as like, as if he were the first dog to have ever existed. So majestic and wise. And like, that's when he learns his lesson and when he sort of understands what it is to be like uh, owned. Um, cried at that point as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> burst into tears. Yeah. Um, and then of course, when uh, Shadow falls into the sort of pit uh, by the railway tracks and... Uh, yeah. And Chance is there and he's like, go on without me. You've you've learned so much and this is your final lesson to learn to let me go. And Chance is like, I'm not going back without you. Yeah. And just the bond and you're right, everything Shadow says is so well written and so thoughtful and um, charming's not even the word, it's deeper than that. It's like, oh, it's just... It's, it's, so, it's like, just like... They love the people that made this love animals and yeah. understand animals you can tell that it's it's soulful i think that yes. would be the word like it just and ev- like just reading that like no matter the breed no matter like every dog feels that way about their owner mm-hmm. if they're in a good relationship and the two are kind of tapped into each other i on my podcast, I refer to it as like a radio frequency where you can see when there's like unhappy dog owners. But when a dog and its owner are in sync, it's like they're on the same radio frequency. And I could see any dog saying that about their owner. Like, this yeah. is my responsibility. I think what's different with Shadow and what's so interesting with Shadow because he was such a almost white picket fence golden I think that it (laughs) was it was the epitome of the kind of the old man who is just wise and I I liked that about it apparently in the book it was actually a bull terrier was shadow and I kind of if there was ever a remake I would like to see more breed diversity in terms of that because I think that that would have been so interesting because I also think that the Pitbull-esque American Bulldog has to be the rescue dog. But to think Mm -hmm. about it, what if Shadow had been a Bull Terrier, which is kind of reminiscent of the nostalgic RCA logo with the dog and like the Target Bullseye dog, it would have a much different presence, I think. Yeah. That's such a good point, how certain dog breeds, and I'm I'm sure you talk about this a lot on your podcast, certain dog breeds definitely do have not only stigmas, but almost stereotypes when when it does come to being in a film. I did, like, the portrayal of Chance here, I think, was, you know, he was sort of rascally and um, overboard, but it was never shown in a negative light. It was always very sort of charming and funny, um, compared to sort of, even though Bullseye himself, I'm probably getting dog breeds a bit mixed up here, but Bullseye from Oliver even though he himself was actually a good dog in the end, he's associated by being like a villainous dog. And that sort of um, gruff sort of terrier, like or very near the floor sort of um, short-haired dogs tend to be the, the evil ones, as it were, when you're sort of more long-haired, floppy golden pretty dogs are like the heroes. Um, so it was interesting having an old one here. You're right in that he's the sort of wise old sage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And of course, they're meant to be sort of pampered and privileged compared to the street dog. Um, Completely. Who is, I, I kind of, I absolutely 
love their interpretation of the rescue dog because there was no qualms about his breed. And I think that mm-hmm. I initially, when I even thought about this film in terms of how it landed probably in my subconscious, I was like, oh yeah, that was a pit bull. But I mm-hmm. had such a positive association with Chance as opposed to a lot of how it is perceived that um, the pit bull types are just dogs that can't be saved. There's, you know, all of the dog fighting, all of that kind of stuff. And I I love and I celebrate whoever wrote this Mm -hmm. for not taking on any of those notions and writing it independent because I think that you they wrote something so much more powerful because it stands as independent and you're not going near almost media bait in my opinion yeah no definitely i completely agree so if you put that dog breed in the shadow role who would you put what breed would you put in the chance role or i guess it doesn't does it matter or would you tr- like i would do maybe a scruffy that... like um a super mutt is what I kind of have envisioned. Like, um, I think that the dog that they picked uh, for the Tramp, uh, for the new live-action Lady and the Tramp, I think I would do something very much along those lines where Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, unless it's like a Scotty dog, where the Scruffy kind of infers that it's unkept. So I think that if I'm thinking about the pack that's going together um, and I'm – casting my dream team um, I'm gonna say <laughs> I would do a bull terrier kind of pit bull for the wise mm-hmm. because I but I also think that pit bulls are such like to do the little sidebar they're such hams that they completely captured that with chance like his mannerisms yeah. it was just so cute but casting my dream team it's gonna be an orange tabby because orange tabbies oh. are the absolute best as a cat <laughs> Um, the bull, let's say a bull terrier pit, you can't tell what they are, but there's like the amalgamation of all of those breeds in that dog. And Mm -hmm. he's going to be like tan. Then I'm going to pick a black scruffy dog with a spot of some kind who just, I don't know his backstory, but I'm in love with him. Yeah. Amazing. That sounds perfect. <laughs> Did you ever see Homeward Bound 2, Lost in San Francisco? I have not. I literally, this is very funny because I have an opinion enough on sequels. I cringed when I saw that image because I was like, "Yeah." I just, you know, maybe that's an exercise for me to do because the things that you're scared of, you should do, right? I don't know. I, I'm of the opinion that if the movie's going to be bad, don't waste your time watching it. Got and it. Unless you're doing it as like a thing. <laughs> like if it's going to be really bad, yes. like get drunk and watch it. But yes. Even just comparing the two posters, you've got the Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey poster, and they're in the midst of this like raging river on a log and they're helping each other and it's like hand-drawn and it's beautiful. And they're all together, and it's just wonderful. And then the Homeward Bound 2 Lost in San Francisco poster is like, there's a tram coming along the rail lines, and they're sort of 
almost running out of the poster towards the camera as it were and they're more sort of cartoonish and it's a lot more brightly coloured and yeah it's like how I look at Home Alone 2 Lost in New York and I'm like no thanks bye I did um, watch that this holiday season and Donald Trump it doesn't make the movie <laughs> I guess he's trying to say that he is a part of why that movie is so successful yeah so he apparently if you wanted to film in Trump Towers or anywhere that the Trumps own you had to write him into the movie and most of the time he ends up on the cutting room floor but for some reason in Home Alone 2 he uh makes it all the way which is uh if you go to the Home Alone 2 uh, Wikipedia page, it will say that the only cast member of Home Alone 2 to be impeached is Donald Trump, <laughs> which is pretty good. Um, but it's, it's annoying that that's the sort of thing that people remember about that movie, because you don't want to give him any more time or airing that he's already had. But, completely, yeah. completely. It's, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. with that, <laughs> I just think that... <laughs> There's probably only a couple sequels. I just think that when I looked at the poster, it looked like they were trying to create almost the Mission Impossible version of Homeward Bound, where it's like very kind of almost the Jerry Brockheimer action-y version. And I was like, that's not the specialness of this story. Like what's Mm -hmm. so striking, even in looking at those dated graphics with the old poster is that relationship that you come across and you're like there's a journey there my only problem with the imdb (laughs) summary (laughs) is that they're those animals are not journeying to san francisco they're journeying to wherever their home was that was not san francisco because the Ah. temporary home was san francisco just being nitpicky right no, no, that yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Oh yeah, because they go back to their original house, don't they? Yeah, and the because the family leave them on the Californian ranch in order to go to San Francisco temporarily. For some reason, they decide to uproot the entire family for like three weeks. Whatever, it's their decision. Um, but yeah, whereas, um, did you ever watch the 1963 journey that's just called The Incredible Journey? I haven't. I haven't. No, so that was a Disney movie that came out in the 60s that I've just clicked onto. Um, Again, beautiful sort of hand-drawn poster like they always used to in the 60s. And this is the story of three pets, a cat and two dogs who lose their owners when they're all on vacation. Can they find their way home? So that sounds like it's a little bit different um, as opposed to just being abandoned, or not abandoned, but just sort of like put in the... It really did make me... um worry like whenever we put our dogs sort of we we hand them over to a place to keep when we go on holiday like do they think we're abandoning them well because yeah i don't like that no i'm so sorry (laughs) oh god it really does make you consider because these animals are intelligent and they are emotionally intelligent as well and um that's very upsetting that they're like, why have you left me <laughs> so long? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, I think that it's, you kind of hated the woman that owned the ranch because she, yeah. like, she had good intentions, but she, if if I'm just going to rate the level of care, you know, she did feed Sassy's meal to Chance and then didn't yeah. refeed Sassy's. So what's happening Literally. with Sassy's meal that day? did you just go hungry like that's what you get for not being quick enough yeah and why are you feeding it on the floor when the cat is up high because it's clearly trying to denote that its meal is probably getting eaten 
I mean, and you can yeah. see this woman understands animals. She lives on a ranch with lots of animals. For goodness' sake, like it's surprising she doesn't have any other domesticated pets, or even if she does and knows, like, like look into how to look after them if you're going to be looking after them for such a long time. Completely, completely. And I also think that it, it just as um, someone who has pets that has to coordinate their care, like. It infuriated me that uh, they were all left outdoors in terms. And I was like, who's just leaving a cat outside? I didn't see a dog door. (laughs) And it's it's such an indoor, beautiful little cat as well. Yeah. She does not belong on the dusty porch. Get her inside. Which I think is the beauty of Sassy's story is that she's this prissy beautiful cat that can do everything it's kind of very much like women like we can do anything that we want even if we Mm -hmm. look and I I kind of loved that looking at that as an adult as opposed to just like as a kid you're like haha cats rule like (laughs) dogs rule (laughs) (laughs) but her versatility and I think resilience was pretty incredible i think she's yes. she's kind of hard because Strong female character when you're benchmarked against shadow it's hard for you to uh come out ahead but i think that that was another thing i was very kind of struck with and i think sally field mm. did such a good job with that in terms of Definitely. it was a little bit of female empowerment i would say yeah yeah that early 90s feminism 100 percent and it, you really got the impression as well that her and Shadow were like old friends that are like, you know, they've they've lived together for a while and they've got this relationship. I'd definitely say she was on par with Shadow in terms of like dealing with stuff and understanding stuff. And Chance is definitely the sort of protagonist puppy that is, you know, they're not rejecting of him. Yeah. But he does have to find his way into the trio. I think he even says at one point, he's like, I've saved their lives and they've saved mine and that's a beautiful thing we now have going forward and it's like <laughs> they're all friends all the animals are friends um, and it's really lovely yeah and, and when Chance family. yeah when Shadow's in the pit and Chance like says I love you I was like oh my god <laughs> Chance realizes he needs someone else <laughs> Besides Jamie, because I always kind of felt like he was just like tolerating playing with the kid, but like not on like the shadows spiritual level. But like also they're at the life stage where everything is goofball, play all of that. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that was fun as well. The ending is so cleverly done. Like it's so simple, but it's so effective. So we, we leave shadow in the pit with chance being like, oh, like we have to get out of this together and then we just cut straight back to the family and they've moved back to their old home and they're sort of they've they've accepted this stepfather into their lives they're calling him dad and you're all like oh oh like it it got it got me like often when I do watch children's movies I really try and uh look at it as if I am a child but this one I didn't even really have to try that hard because I was watching it and I was like wait do they just become independent wild animals do they never go back to the family like like it got me for like two seconds it got me yeah (laughs) it's like oh no um 
and then oh it's just brilliant they don't do it like this anymore you hear the barking off like off into the wilderness and the young child's like oh it's chance and the parents are like no honey it's like you're just hearing things it's fine and then chance comes back and you're all happy um and then sassy comes back and it's brilliant and then they they fucking leave you for such a long time but even peter's given up and he goes back into the house and he's like shadow was old he probably wouldn't have made it which is a horrible reality that if this did unfortunately have to happen in real life possibly would have happened because he was an old dog and he fell down a hole and like, broke his leg like he wouldn't have made it home but somehow and it's kind of nice that we don't see them get out of that scrape um because i just accept it i'm like oh good we're fine and then of course like it keeps cutting back to that hill and he doesn't appear and he doesn't appear and he doesn't appear. And I'm like holding my breath at this moment. So of course, the minute he bounds over that hill, I burst into tears. Um, and it's just fantastic. And like, Peter runs up to him. I'm going to start crying. And then I'm like playing and Chance is watching them like wisely now being like, and in that moment, it was as if Shadow was a puppy again. Oh. And he's just like playing with, and he's like, I love you, I love you. Um, and it's brilliant, like for a movie that's literally under an hour and a half, yeah. you go through so many emotions, you go through so much excitement, you learn so many lessons and like, it's just brilliant. And when I can, when I think about other animal movies that were coming out in the nineties, like I never saw Andre the Seal, but I never wanted to when watching the trailers. Yeah. Um, um I only watched Free Willy very recently and it just reminded me of Blackfish and I just got sad because I was like, even though this is a movie about trying to release it, now I know what the consequences of releasing a a kidnapped killer whale into the wild are. Like you haven't done this thing any favours. Also you kept it to put it in a movie anyway. So like what um yeah and then you also have like with free willy if we're gonna do this like the whole michael (laughs) jackson thing to the music like there's a lot of emotion surrounding that like that is not as pc as it like when you were a kid and you're just like yeah Yeah. free willy like (laughs) and now we're like oh god sea world is trash (laughs) totes it's just it changes your because I think, like, as kids, you saw, you thought, at least I always thought, that those, like, orcas were too sick to function on their own and had been saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, all the lies they fed us. Not even lies, necessarily. We just sort of, maybe we made that up in our own heads to justify why it was happening. Yeah, I think we probably created the Disneyland version of that that applied to orcas. Where we're helping them. Like, why else would we be interfering? We're helping. And then you learn about colonialism and all sorts of fun stuff when you grow up. And you're like, oh, people suck. Oh, people do things for money. I get it. But um, this movie just is, is just better than, like, most. I like Babe. Like, I think Babe still holds up, the first Babe. Um, but even things like Beethoven, like, sorry, everyone, but I hate the Beethoven movies. And we had to watch Snow Dogs the other day, and I really don't like that either. <laughs> Just because, like, they're kind of nothingy movies. Yeah. They're sort of, like, slapsticky, and, like, that's fine, and there's a place for them. But this feels so much more like a serious movie. Like, it feels like some thought was put into it. And um, for that reason, it really, as we've said, holds up. And can be appreciated, I, I definitely think, more so as adults than children. 
couldn't could not agree with you more. I think that the writing and the the soul and the diligence that they had representing animals. I think to your point that you said earlier, whoever put this together loved animals and that Mm -hmm. really comes across because I I just think that that bond is so celebrated and it's a it's a movie that shows that enduring bond and what it will go to within extreme settings as well as the transformation of a rescue dog those are probably the two themes well along with the dad probably as well yeah yeah so much happens it's it's Um, a great film it's so good. Let's briefly touch on what could have been your sister. Um, um, oh, yes. the do- How did a child that young get separated from its parents? Like, can we, with there. no jacket? Come with, on. With her pajamas on. It's almost like the implication is that she, like, ran away because it doesn't look like she was... There's, there's no siblings. It's not like it was a family of 12 and they misled one. Like... This child is an only child and she's in her pajamas in the forest. Like what, they went for a picnic and then just like packed everything up and were like, I feel like we're missing something. Oh, it's our child. Like, mm -mm, doesn't go into it, obviously, because it's more about the animals, which is fine. But um, it's really sweet to see the animals like keeping her warm. And I was just so jealous of the actress because she got to hug all of the animals. (laughs) You got to be a shadow. And like that cat, I want to hold that cat so much. Um, so she's just, she's literally just left in the forest. Yep. Um, and it's really, it's a really lovely moment when Shadow comes to her. And if you've ever had any animal come to you in that sense, it's really interesting hearing what we humans clearly think the animals are thinking. Where he's like, he's the one that's, whenever we're reaching out to pet animals, we're always like, don't worry, it's okay. It's okay. And it's the dog that's doing that. It's like, it's okay, girl. I'm here. It's all good. You can pet me. Like, come come on. I'm not going to hurt you. And it's just brilliant. It's just, it really shows that relationship that it's two-sided. We're not their owners and there are, like, underlings. It's an equal friendship yeah. between domesticated animals and probably wild animals. You see people hugging lions and shit in Africa and wherever else. But um, that was the most... <laughs> generalized statement i've ever made but be careful if you're in africa (laughs) hugging a lion yeah yeah don't don't yeah don't try and mimic the youtube videos um and they and they they rescue her they find luckily the people are out to look for her anyway um and they bring her back and they get her reunited with her dumb parents who probably need to have a sit down with the authorities after this Yep. And be like, what are you doing? How did she get there? Yep. Come on. But, um, and then we get the wonderful moment of probably the worst acting I've ever seen from those lovely forest rangers. Like, they're doing their best, but she's like, Mark, these are the animals from the poster! And I was like, there are so many trained actors out there trying to get work, and here you are, whatever your name is. Yep. Kit McDonough. <laughs> Oh my god. It was Stop. she she was really overacting that. But it was also so like bad. the one thing I would say that was kind of a bummer that kind of in the white picket fence way that Shadow was a golden, I kind of wish wish that Chance had helped in the reuniting yeah. of the dad. And so it wasn't just 
the old wise shadow because I think that yeah. along the story, but that's just my projection. If I was to edit the story and redo it. Because that would be a really good turning point for Chance to be like, rather than witnessing it and being like, oh, look, we can help all humans and that's our role as dogs and pets, etc. To be proactive in it and be like, actually, I want to do this and I want to help and I have the ability to and I should use my powers responsibly as it is, like, whatever. Exactly. It's very um, Spider-Man yeah. how you say it, but yes. <laughs> but yeah. Um, anything else to say? I I don't think I have anything else to say. It was it was a joy through and through, and just really Michael was. J. Fox killed it. Like, oh, so much. I mean, Sally Field was incredible too, and Don Amici. Mm. I guess it was one of the last films that he did before he passed away. It was, yeah. I believe it was literally the last film he did. Which is so crazy because he's just. Um, apparently Don Amici was very big in radio and so I think that that was part of the reason that he was so good within that also no definitely yeah but this was an absolute joy thank you I thank you I really enjoyed rewatching it really really and I'm gonna go now and tell everyone like fucking watch Homeward Bound like you don't you don't think you don't know that just watch it like genuinely rewatch it um you can rent it off youtube for like two pound fifty it's an hour and 24 minutes you will cry so much <laughs> wear waterproof mascara ladies yeah <laughs> thank you so much um do you want to talk about your podcast where we can find you yeah sure so i run a um dog lifestyle blog called woof republic and so you can find that online as well as my podcast uh the woof life show which talks about all things dogs and also advocates and talks about things related to rescuing and advocating for people to rescue over buying dogs. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me. This was such, such a treat and joy. And I think it was, it's so funny to hear that both of us had that kind of childhood glaze still as we watch this film as adults because I think few things you just it transports you and I I felt Mm -hmm. like I was connecting with myself as a child watching this but also had my more adult wisdom I won't say it's fully wise but you know (laughs) it's none of that yeah no yeah I completely agree and I, I imagine it's also down to like that old Disney magic like you know they run half the world for a reason and it's movies like this I think that they really show their strengths of heartwarming family entertainment um and as whatever you may think of like what they're doing now and I have lots of opinions on what they're doing now um you can't deny that when they're doing it right they do they just do it so right um it's so good but thank you so much um do you like where can we find you on social media um so woof republic and at the woof life show and uh my name's lauren farker it was such a joy and uh yeah thank you i so appreciate it thank this. you em- emily this is such a great concept it was so fun <laughs> thank you i, I have such a great time like you're like so much this fun. is the best job ever <laughs> literally i get so happy whenever i press that little record button i'm like Wee! <laughs> <laughs> i love it and then when people give me movies I haven't seen in a while or movies I've never seen, I'm just like, fucking yes! Because otherwise I'll just never watch them, like, you know. But this gives me a wonderful excuse. It's, it's so such a so fun much. concept because it's also like seeing the lens with which you 
rewatch things, you do get that perspective and that nostalgia. So it's such a great concept. And I'm so like, it's, I so celebrate this and I'm going to share it with everyone. And I was uh, posting about this on social media because I also think that there's such an intrinsic thing with those movies that you connect with when you're younger and going there is just so funny. And I think like even thinking about my journey that, you know, I was only a cat owner and now I have a dog and thinking about how much more I connect with the film because I see, even though my dog is literally a combination of chance and shadow. So like hell of a spaz, but has some regal moments to her. Like, it's just funny to celebrate that and just that bond and see it from a different perspective. 100%. And I genuinely think it can be really healing as well, or it can just reconnect you with your past self that you may have forgotten along the way, or sometimes it's just fun. You forget how, like, much you love them, and sometimes they suck, and you're like, oh, no. (laughs) But a lot of the time, it's very much like, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. And you can still keep them in your heart as something that you appreciated as a child while still understanding it as an adult, I think, which I think is just really important to never lose touch with that. I so I love doing it. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, thank you again for having me. This was thank such you. a treat and uh, everyone needs to watch Homeward Bound. Like, do it. Yes, <laughs> right, right now. Not just the sequel, treat, treat the first yourself. one. No, not the sequel. <laughs> And the new first one, not the first first one. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for coming. And thank you all guys for listening. We'll see you next time on Why This Film. Bye. We watched the film and we talked about it. But now it's time to say goodbye. We'll be back again with another movie that makes you want to ask why. Why This Film podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons one to three. You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. For £5 a month, you can join Fern Gully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Fern Gully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Fern Gully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tiers, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash why this film podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate and thanks to my patron David for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why This Film Podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies and I hope you do too.